What's up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of Locked On Bucks. And today, on Fridays with Frank, we're talking defense. <laughs> the Bucks defense, uh, individually, we know that they have the players to be a dominant defensive unit. But as we've seen over the last few seasons, they have slipped back uh, in the overall rankings. And potentially, if you're looking at wins and losses and seedings heading into the postseason, that could have a big impact on where this team finishes heading into the postseason. So we're going to break it all down. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Locked on Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pippen. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my other stuff over at ESPN. Alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online where the game starts. And as always, thank you for making Locked on Bucks your first listen or first watch of every day. And if you're subscribed, you can keep up. Uh, with every episode that drops on whatever platform it is that you're joining us on. And uh, we're approximately, by my count, as we're recording this, about 48 hours away or just a touch under from preseason basketball, which I had to double check this morning because it feels uh, crazy that there will be a post-game pod at some point early next week or across the weekend. Uh, Anyway, as you can still tell, I'm still in a hotel room, Uh, which by the way, Frank, shout out to the or actually, I probably shouldn't jinx this, but shout out to the hotel Wi-Fi so far. I did have someone on YouTube ask me if I'd time-traveled back to 2005. There may have been some quality issues with the video on YouTube, but I think for the most part, we've battled through. I think we've done a decent job here. It doesn't matter what setup I use. I feel like my audio is always the worst of anyone that I podcast <laughs> with. And when we did the pod with Eric Name and JJ Bursch last week, it was this big... Pro- I, Kane, I was really appreciating you and what you do as the producer and editor of this podcast because i i had jj and eric in and my audio like i like i was using the my mac i split between a a mac and a windows when i do this i always use the same headphones people recognize this little orange cord and for some reason it wasn't working and it, it was just a total disaster we probably like waited like 20 minutes jj and eric were just like talking to each other like catching up and i was like flailing around trying to get my audio to work and finally i just said screw it and i literally just went no headphones anything and that's why my audio was so bad on friday it was because literally it was just the the regular mic on the computer doing it so kane I, i'll i'll never underappreciate the work you do to make uh this podcast sound good uh even though i i for some reason just never seem to sound sound quite as good as everybody else i mean jj was there with like you know the like iPod earbuds plugged okay. in and it sounded way better than I sound with this supposedly better headset. So I don't know. Go well, figure. The, the equipment, I mean, we're not, as po- most people have discovered at this point, we're not in a professional studio. I stole this uh, this uh, Yeti mic from someone at the uh, office here in Sydney. So I don't know how or when I'm going to get it back to them, but as far as I'm concerned, it might be mine. Um, so we're, we're doing our best, but let's talk defense. So 
I, I do think, you know, big picture, this is a fascinating storyline for the Bucks and potentially their success in the regular season. So on paper, if you just say, okay, let's look at the top three defenders on the Bucks with Drew Holiday, Giannis, Brooke Lopez in no order, you're looking at guys that over the last few years have been all defensive players and certainly you know, with Drew, we would like to think that he would get a bit more recognition for what he does defensively on an individual level. Giannis is going to be a perennial defensive player of the year candidate, already has one in the bag. So on paper, you say, okay, well, this should be a team that finishes top five in defense in their sleep. But as we've seen over the last few years, as potentially uh, the Bucks have tried different things in the regular season, as guys have taken more time off. Last year, as Brooke Lopez missed 70 games, it's not necessarily a juggernaut night in, night out in the regular season. So I think you've got the numbers there just in terms of where they've sat really in the Budenholzer era. But overall, last year, with all those factors in mind, they really did fall back to kind of a middle-of-the-pack defense, which is kind of humorous because then you look what they did in the postseason. Yes, they had offensive struggles, but they were uh, elite defensively in the postseason. Yeah, I think the... You know, I feel like we we really got spoiled those first two years of the Bud <laughs> era defensively, right? I mean, they were great the first year, depending on where you looked, first or second in the first year, and then the second year they were by far the best defense in the league. And so, you know, it felt like oh crap, like they've they've really found you know the 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 formula here, and I think part of that was. You, know, you look at kind of the league's defenses, you know, offense has been on the rise the past couple of years. Anyway, you look at kind of where, you know, net ratings or, uh, or sorry, offensive defensive ratings were like, they've generally trended up here the last couple of years. Um, and I, I think we, we've seen a number of teams like, you know, that there was this trend that we saw between that, that second year and the third year when they had the drop off from roughly like first by a mile to like 10th, we saw a lot of the teams that were, basically elite defenses that gave up tons of threes shifted from being like the best defenses in the league, like, you know, the bucks and Raptors and Celtics and those teams. Um, I think Clippers may have been in there too. Uh, a lot of the, all those teams had like a bit, little bit of a drop off if I recall correctly. And so I, and there, I'm, people may remember there was this bit of this discussion of like, Oh, well, you know, has offense basically caught up to the fact that, you know, if you're, if your basic sort of philosophy is we're going to, you know, let you shoot threes, but we're going to take away all the other stuff. Uh, and the Bucks are probably the most extreme example of that, right? Taking away everything at the rim, no second chances, no free throws. Uh, so really, you've got to just make threes or, or you're going to lose to us. Um, it seemed like there was a bit of a shift that that just wasn't as successful in terms of just aggregate, you know, defensive performance. Um, and I, But I think last year, obviously we didn't really get a chance to test out like, okay, was the 2021 season when ironically they win an NBA championship, like how much of that was actually a fluke. I think part of what we've seen the past two years has been certainly more experimentation during the regular season. I think there's been certainly less of a concern about like, we're just going to be really good at this single style that, you know, is optimized for sort of the average regular season game against the average regular season team with our zone drop. Um, and instead we're going to try different things and, you know, it's times experiment, even when, you know, maybe it's not the optimal strategy to play on, on a given night. Um, and then obviously last season, the big issue, you know, was clearly the, the, the absence of Brooke Lopez. So I think this season, 
is definitely a really interesting litmus test for, you know, knock on wood, Brooke Lopez hopefully being healthy, hopefully Giannis being healthy, hopefully Drew Holiday and the rest of the kind of core rotation guys being healthy so we can get a read on, okay, in, you know, the, the, the year 22-23, what exactly does this type of defense um, with a team that maybe doesn't always you know, play 48 minutes of uh, of really intense defense at this stage. Where does that put you in terms of of league rankings? And you know, to me, that's going to be really the kind of the swing factor to a large extent. I think, as far as how good of a regular season team the Bucks can be. And I think the interesting thing about looking at last year's numbers were that many of sort of the fundamentals, even without Brook Lopez, were really similar. So even without Brooke and as good as he is boxing out and, you know, increasing the team's rebound effectiveness, even though he doesn't really grab many himself, they were second in defensive rebound rate. They were second in free throw rate and they were 26 in turnover percentage, which is pretty much mirroring what they had done in previous years where again, no second chances. They don't give you anything at the foul line. And, you know, the general kind of more conservative approach they played also doesn't result in, in many turnovers. Um, so I, I think that was was really interesting. I mean, there were some sh- subtle shifts. So they were they went from second to fifth in opponent share of shots at the rim. Not shocking, right? We know Brooke is obviously a big deterrent, and going from Brooke to to Bobby Portis, and then kind of the smorgasbord of of other guys playing center, right? Everybody from Boogie to Mamu to Serge when he was trying to sort of figure things out late in the year, and more maybe more more Giannis at center. Um, so a bit of an uptick in terms of opponent shots, the rim, but again, you know, they, they didn't allow the second chances. They didn't allow free throws. Um, and I think probably the area you most saw Brooks absence when you look at the numbers was in the opponent field goal percentage at the rim. Uh, so they were fourth two years ago, last year, it dips all the way to 13th. Again, not, not shocking. Uh, and you know, they really didn't do other stuff to compensate for that. Right. And I think the obvious one was that turnover rate, right? Like, okay, if you're going to play smaller, if you're going to play more aggressive, right. Bobby Portis playing higher on pick and rolls, hedging hard, you know, doing different things. You would hope that maybe, Hey, you'd get some more turnover or something like that. Uh, obviously that didn't, that didn't happen. Um, so paints in the po- paints in the point. There we go. There we go. Great right. throwback. Great throwback. Exactly will be true. <laughs> paints in the point. <laughs> points in the paint um it actually was pretty much flat um from from year to year and again you know points points in the paint (laughs) are not you know i would say a great advanced metric or anything like that but it's a you know an interesting shorthand just to see like you know our our team scoring closer to the basket or further away uh so i i think that's you know what just one of these again um, things that, that, you know, it was an interesting year. Cause in some ways, you know, things were very similar and then on some things on the margin, they were worse. And, you know, I think the, the, the other constant, right. Was the three point defense. And, you know, you might say, well, I, I think sometimes there's been this, this sense that, well, Brooke Lopez playing Brooke and playing the zone drop, like that's leading to more three point, you know, three point attempts. But th- I mean, they were dead last again last year in terms of above the break rate of three pointers allowed. Um, so, you know, there wasn't like some, some magic tonic that Brooke Lopez being out helped them cut down on opponent three point attempts. And to be honest, I don't know that's really that shocking, right? Because 
to me, like Brooke is one of those guys. It's not like they're having to send an extra guy to play in the pick and roll when, when they're running that two man game, right? Normally it's just Brooke and a guy going over the screen. It's pretty much two on two. And certainly they might help a little bit on the tag, the Roman, things like that. But, um, but I think we saw last year, like, again, Brooke's not like just some huge issue that you can't defend the three point line with, with him on the floor. So, um, so yeah. And, and again, not that giving up a lot of three pointers is something that, you know, only bad teams do again, some of the kind of best defenses in the league, uh, give up a lot of threes. I mean, the Raptors famously give up just like hemorrhage corner threes, even though Nick nurse, we think of as this great defensive mastermind. So, um, again, it's all about balance. And I think, you know, the other part obviously too, is, is just luck in terms of opponent three point shooting. And I think what we saw last year, um, early in the season when they were top 10 defensively for a while, even when Boogie was in there, they were top 10 the first few months of the season. Um, They started the year, uh, if I remember correctly, like looking very lucky from three point range and um, ended up, you know, the the opponent three point numbers were were pretty low. And again, probably a lot of luck going into that. And then ultimately it began to mean revert a bit as the year went on. And I thought the year before in 2021, they were 29th in opponent three point percentage overall on threes, um, 39.3%. So I had hoped last year, Hey, hopefully they will be better on defense this year because they can't get any, any more unlucky basically, uh, in terms of opponent three point shooting. And it got better 36% last year. That was 19th in the league. So, you know, it was again, not, uh, not like they got super lucky or anything like that. Uh, but, you know, given some of the other issues and the lack of rim protection, the drop off with Brooke out, um, net net, they were still a little bit worse defensively. So, um, so yeah, I mean, again, I think as much as we might talk about the Bucks trying different things, playing a little bit differently here and there, differences in terms of personnel and playing a little differently with different guys, uh, ultimately the outline, the statistical um, profile of this team defensively has still been very similar, and I would expect it to be again, pretty similar this coming season. And I think, again, just going to come down to probably the level of engagement. And I think one thing I would say, we talked about, you know, bringing back the full roster, but having that full roster, hopefully for the full season, hopefully you have Wes Matthews for for a full season. You have Javon Carter for a full season Um, and Serge Baca. I don't know how much he's got left in the tank, but as we saw early in the season, you know, Mamu was being forced to play center at times and really struggled at that spot. They're going to have any better depth unless, you know, again, a lot of injuries strike from a defensive standpoint. So fingers crossed that they can back, get back to kind of that top 10 side, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I could see anything. I could see them being average again and just sort of trying to outscore teams, or I could see them actually rebounding a fair bit and, and getting back to maybe a top five to seven defense. Cause as you said, the talent is not the question. Well, if you're interested in that, uh, what the defense could potentially uh, play a big part in, that would be the the win total, which you can find at betonline.net. We've discussed that. Last time I looked, I think it was around 51 and a half, which you know, feels kind of low, but for all the reasons we've discussed, you know, how are the Bucks going to treat the regular season? Are they going to try and uh, go on a revenge tour and get the number one seed? Who knows? But uh, depending on how you feel about that, you can check it out at betonline.net, which is the number one source 
uh, for basketball and also football betting info this season. So you can find out all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth articles and analysis on every game that is on the schedule. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Uh, maybe maybe the Women's World Cup as well. I don't know. I don't know that for a fact, but it's on right now, down to the Final Four, potentially heading for a USA-Australia gold medal match tomorrow. Uh, that would be fun. Not sure I like Australia's chances, but hey, you got to be in it to win it. So head to betonline.net now or use your mobile device to learn more. That's BetOnline. Where the game I want to continue on the three-point shooting a little bit, though, because this is clearly, if you scroll Twitter, talk to the fans, this is clearly the biggest source of annoyance in terms of, uh, as you said, a lot of the times they would prefer to give up above the break threes, which the numbers suggest is a decent play compared to shots at the rim and certainly compared to corner threes. Uh, I would have to go back and watch the game, which is not really something that I want to absolutely do. Yeah, it, it did feel that, you know, Grant Williams, for instance, was a guy that they were like, okay, well, we're going to play the numbers game here. We're going to play the math game. But I, I wonder, you know, again, the Bucks' defensive rating for that series, I think, was around 96, 97. Yeah, they were in the series, and they could have won the game if they had had any offense themselves. And I just looked at the numbers to remind myself. So Boston were 22 for 55. So 40% is pretty high. You, you don't want to be going up against that in Game 7. But let's not forget that the Bucks shot 12% from three in Game 7. So... You know, I, I look at the defense and we've seen with the personnel that the Bucks have that they can very clearly, I mean, we talk about seeding in the regular season and what that means, but when it gets to the postseason, they can very clearly turn it up to a new level. Uh, you would like some balance on the offensive end with knocking down some threes yourself. Because to me, did you walk away from that furious about the three-point defense, I guess is the question that I'm asking from that series. I mean, I think in game seven, it got a bit out of hand where, I mean, it seemed like they were just sort of selling out so hardcore and just really just praying that that Grant Williams and company would (laughs) would miss those open threes, which was annoying, right? Because ultimately they didn't miss. Um, I think one of the core, you know, if I was going to highlight one core frustration with the Bucks defense, it's not that they play a zone drop because, you know, they've won an NBA championship. They've been an elite defense playing that way. Uh, and again, I think one of the, obviously when they winning that championship, they also were able to play smaller and, and more versatile. But I, I think people also overstate the degree to which they actually played like Giannis at center lineups that, that offs that, uh, that, that playoff run it. I, I don't have numbers in front of me right now, but it is, it was not nearly as much as you might think. I think it was like 10 or 15% of lineups or something like that. It was really not a ton but they could do it late in games and, you know, with PJ uh, and his versatility plus Drew and Giannis and just the way those guys can play, um, you know, again, it just allows you to, to be really malleable. And, you know, Giannis in particular, I mean, I think a lot of times people just automatically default to when Giannis is playing as a center that, oh, you can switch. But I mean, the beauty of Giannis is you can kind of do anything. And, you know, you think about like his signature defensive play of his career, the block of the alley-oop on DeAndre Ayton. The beauty of that play is he's, you know, he's truly playing like a center field where he's essentially coming up a bit on Devin Booker, but he's not switching on a Devin Booker. Yeah. And he's just so gifted and reads the play so perfectly well that basically he's able to 
forced Evan Booker to make a decision, and then he's able to recover about on the backside and and block the shot. So, um, you know, ultimately having you know those cheat code type players, and I think with Giannis and Drew, you have two of them, plus Brooke, who um, you know, despite being up there in age, remains just you know an absolute mountain of a human being and uh, is is going to be just very difficult to get around. And and he's he's such a you know, I think people underrate just how cerebral he is. And, you know, Eric has written a fair bit about kind of the way he thinks the game and, you know, the way he tags guys to avoid three second violations and things like that. Right. Like he's, he's just a very, I mean, it, it's not a, you know, he, he's a unique guy in that he didn't come into the league as a defensive ace. Right. It, he was a guy that people thought was a bad defender for <laughs> the first, what decade of his career or something like that. And then really reinvented himself in this system and, has been awesome, you know, for the Bucks, and has, you know, an all defensive team, um, to, to show for it and an NBA championship to show for it. So, um, so yeah, I, I, but I think the, the over helping not to bury leader, but I think to me, the frustration is they still have this tendency, you know, somebody's driving at, at Brooke and the guy from the weak side will come over and, you know, try to show an extra body or, you know, someone's driving at Giannis and, you know, the a wing comes over, you know, drifts over into no man's land and and uh and that leads to an open guy on a kick out or something like that. I, I think that's to me just sort of always been the frustration. And I think if you look at a series like that Sun series, I thought they did a really good job of just and again, some of it's just because you're playing so damn hard because it's the NBA finals that yeah. I think they were more committed, they closed out harder and blah blah blah. Stuff you may not do in in you know a random game in January. Um but you know, the, the corner three and people may remember, right? Like sun's got basically no corner threes. They didn't really, they don't take tons of threes anyway, but you know, the, the three point attempt numbers were generally very low in that series. Um, and I think a lot of that just is to the credit of the bucks being able to actually play, you know, one-on-one, not send extra guys to create opportunities for, you know, Chris Paul and, and other guys to, to make plays and, and, and bend the defense. So, Again, that would probably be my biggest season is just, you know, somebody's driving at Brooke Lopez, just let them <laughs> just whatever, you know, like if you think you can score on Giannis or Brooke, like just, just let them um, and, and kind of see what happens because I think you generally should like your odds in those scenarios. And, you know, you think about like a, the jazz defense, right? The Sixers defense, those, those defenses, I'm not sure what they did last year, but historically those defenses allowed relatively few threes um and kind of like we're a little bit more of like tried to find the balance of the best of both worlds maybe weren't as extreme as the bucks were in terms of just cutting off everything at the rim but having good rim protectors um they were able to kind of just like let those big guys you know by themselves protect the rim well enough and and then be able to cover off on the perimeter and obviously that's not the bucks philosophy and i don't I'm not just going to sit here and say the bucks need to you know rethink the entire premise behind a lot of defensive pr- principles because it's worked for them. Um, but I think there's maybe, you know, a little bit of more of a compromise they can make there between the helping and honestly just letting these elite rim protectors and Giannis and, and Brooke do what they do best. So you mentioned PJ Tucker there at the beginning, and I don't know how many times we both mentioned this the sentence or the phrase PJ Tucker replacement. So I guess we've mentioned we've we've discussed the regular season, but into the postseason, Jordan Wara, right? <laughs> clearly that addition. 
he said he's learned some lessons in the offseason, and I'm a, I'm a trusting man. So he's worked on his defense in the offseason. Okay, cool. He has. <laughs> uh, so getting into the postseason, so that was such a perfect addition for that run. Um, do we, or the Bucks need a similar type player because they don't necessarily have that guy. I guess that there's you know, some belief or hope that Joe Ingles will be an addition in terms of different lineup versatility that you could potentially have. But again, he's coming off the ACL, he's 35. Actually similar vintage to PJ Tucker. So yeah, maybe maybe uh, the added youth of Joe Ingles is what they're going for there. But there's been <laughs> discussion of around Jay Crowder in recent times who wants to leave Phoenix. So are they missing anything? in terms of a final piece of the puzzle defensively? I mean, I, I think if you had a Crowder type, I I think that would be a really nice addition. Um, uh, you know, again, I, I think I think the thing that gives you anxiety about having, of adding angles and the questions about, you know, can he defend at a, you know, a, a close enough, well enough to, um, to be, I don't want to say be playable because I think that term is sort of overused, but to not compromise the def, not overly compromise the defense. It's one thing if you have one of those guys on the floor, but I think the concern we talked about the, you know, the ro- the likely rotation. You know, if if you're playing Bobby Portis and Grayson Allen and Joe Ingles again, not that you're playing all those guys at the same time, but you know, playing one, having to kind of hide one or compensate for one of those guys um, being a bit of a target when they're out there, you know, okay. I think you can kind of manage around that to an extent, but if you've got multiple of those guys on the floor, um, again, you can only attack one of those guys one-on-one necessarily at a, at a time, but it is obviously just harder to, to kind of work around hiding those guys. And then just from a team defense standpoint, obviously, um, you know, if you've got multiple guys that that are not plus team defenders, then it just puts that extra pressure on the other guys, right? And I mean, again, if anybody can absorb that pressure, it's people like Giannis and, and Drew. But um, you know, one of the things we've seen in terms of the numbers the past few years, because uh, one of the things I was kind of wondering when I was looking at last year was, well, how much of that is just you know they were so dependent on Giannis on both ends that they just completely fell apart when Giannis was off the floor. And as you'd expect, they were, you know, way better when, when Giannis was on the floor, obviously, plus 10 net. It was, I, I think they were roughly even when he was off the floor in 2021. Uh, last year, they were, I believe, minus three when he was off the floor, which is the, by far the worst that they've been when Giannis has been on the bench since uh, the Bud era started. They were actually very kind of easily in the positive range with Giannis on the bench in the first two years, which is very impressive, I would say, and also kind of a you know testament to Chris Middleton and Brooke and the rest of those guys in those those couple of years. So you want them to trade? Uh, oh well, they don't even need to trade. You want them to sign Eric Bledsoe? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> exactly, buoy those second unit lineups. Um, but uh, but I was looking at it, and and even the Giannis on on court defensive numbers have trended clearly down the last couple of years. I think last year with him on the floor, they were like in the 71st percentile previous year 80 something percentile in the first two years you know 98 99th percentile or whatever so even with Giannis on the floor they you know were not an uber elite defense by any stretch last year and I think that obviously speaks to Brooke being out right um you know Giannis is the ultimate 
you know, he makes up for pretty much, you know, so many sins of, of others, right? I mean, Bobby Portis defensively, you know, the Bobby Portis numbers last year defensively with him on the floor were actually quite good, which, you know, Bobby deserves credit, but you also give lots of credit to Giannis since they were playing so much time together. And I think kind of figured out, um, you know, how to work together, but, uh, but there are limits to that. And certainly you know, Giannis plus Brooke was, I mean, one of the best defensive tandems in the league, certainly among, you know, kind of four or five combinations and interesting now, right. To see um, teams try to go with these jumbo lineups, um, you know, most notably the, the wolves trading for Rudy Gobert. And again, obviously, you know, <laughs> Carl Towns at the four is not Giannis at the four, right. Offensively, he's extremely dynamic, but defensively, obviously you're trying to hide Carl Towns. Um, but we'll see kind of how that jumbo lineup works. And then in Cleveland, I think probably the better analog is the Cavaliers having Evan Mobley and, and yeah. Jared Allen um, and what they're doing. And, and we saw obviously a lot of success from them defensively last year. Uh, and I think what the Bucks did was maybe sort of a preview of, of the success that, that they've had and what I expect they'll continue to have. So, um, so yeah, I, I think I'm just really curious to see, how good they can be, how good they want to be. Because as we've talked about, I think one of the themes we saw last year was, you know, for three quarters, the Bucks probably felt like they could kind of just outscore teams. And then fourth quarter comes, they sort of lock in and say, okay, you know, Drew, Wes, Chris, Giannis, and obviously Bobby was in there a lot, Pat Connaughton, whatever it might be, whatever the lineups might be. Um, they were able to lock in, lock down, you know, Drew and Wes and Chris, Giannis, right? Like those guys are very switchable. So you can't kind of easily compromise and bend the defense if you're just running actions with those guys. Um, so I imagine obviously you expect a similar formula this year, but do they maybe put in a little bit more in the first three quarters? I think that's that'll be something that obviously will will be interesting to watch. And hopefully with Brooke back again, your your depth is just better and I think too, I mean, with Serge, we'll, we'll see how much they actually play Serge. Um, his defensive numbers were not great last year, but I think you would still expect that in this system, you know, he's not young. He's a little bit more mobile than, than Brooke. Um, my hope is that he can get into a pretty good groove. I'm not expecting him to be like, you know, when Rob, when Robin Lopez was here, who underrated part of that awesome, uh, year two of the Bud era, right? I think he was a huge part of how good they were defensively because you had, you know, essentially like very little drop off going from an all defensive big in Brooke to his twin brother in Robin off the bench. So I don't think we're going to quite see that necessarily, but, um, you know, having a guy like Serge that you may probably don't even need to play most nights, but you can, um, hopefully he's, he's feeling fit coming now a year off, you know, a year away from that, that back surgery and hopefully that translates into, you know, better performance again, whether that becomes something that ever matters in the playoffs, you know, probably not. Right. But uh, certainly from regular season, regular season perspective, he's a guy that, you know, you hope can, can actually impact things. And by the way, I, <laughs> as we talk about surgery, I'm always like a bit like wary of, you know, saying like, Ooh, bounce back here for Serge Ibaka. It's like, you know, we don't even know how old Serge is, right. He could be like 36 years old, but, uh, but on the flip side, you know, was listening to some podcasts about the the Celtics and 
you know, two months ago, we're talking about how the Celtics, how ridiculously deep they are. And now with everything that's happened, Gallinari hurt, and more importantly, Robert Williams, we mentioned the other eight to 12 weeks. And then I was, I think it was on the, I think it was on the Windhorse pod. I think they mentioned that it was eight to 12 weeks before he can resume basketball activities. So it's not even like eight to 12 weeks and he's back, but eight to 12 weeks and then he can start doing stuff. So could be quite a while before before he's back. And the phrase, uh, I think Tim Bontes might have like made some reference to the, the Celtics really like Luke Cornett, <laughs> at which point I was like, wow, we're in September and it's reached this, you know, trying to make it sound like the Celtics are, you know, uh, optimistic about Luke Cornett's role in uh, uh, on their on their roster, which you know again, Luke Cornett, son of uh, Bucks great Frank Cornett, uh, and did have his cup of co- coffee as a COVID signing uh, last <laughs> year, and I think I think he got into like the uh, he might have played in that Nets blow. Remember when they went to Brooklyn and they beat the crap out of the Nets? I think Drew was hurt right before they beat the Warriors, and. Uh, I think Luke Cornett got into that game, I want to say, uh, and, you know, did not distinguish himself at all. But uh, but anyway, so it could be worse, right? We could be trying to talk ourselves into Luke Cornett, but, um, you know, hopefully Serge Ibaka has something left. And if not, then he just won't play in the playoffs again. So this morning I recorded, uh, we basically split all the NBA franchises into and there's the contending groups, the tanking groups, and whatever was in between. I don't know. Anyway, to no surprise, the Bucks were in the contending group. So we recorded that podcast a little bit earlier tonight. And our friend John Corrales from the Boston Celtics also mentioned Luke Cornett in that podcast. And I was a little taken aback by it at the time. It was very early over here in Australia, and I wasn't <laughs> expecting to hear from Luke Cornett. But it does remind me, if you play fantasy basketball and you're looking for some uh, value late in the draft from a guy that might play that nobody has any interest in. Luke Cornett could be your guy, but listen to Josh Lloyd on the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Josh Lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, listen to that after you listen to Locked On Bucks, though. That's the uh, that's the most important thing. So Bucks and Grizzlies, Saturday night. I just had to Google. Daylight saving starts here, so I was, gonna, I was probably going to give you the wrong time, but I believe it's 7 p.m. Central time, Saturday night. Bucks and Grizzlies preseason opens up. I'm sure we'll chat about it at some point, Frank. I'm actually flying. I'm in the air uh, during that game, so I'll go home, watch a replay, just be happy to be home. And I can't, I can't. I, I this game totally snuck up on me too. I had no idea that there was Crazy. an actual NBA basketball game this weekend. And then I think what there's, um, is there five days off, four or five days off until um, the Abu Dhabi games. So hopefully, hopefully this game actually gets to finish, unlike last year when. Uh, what was it? <laughs> the true. fire alarm or something? And the game just was called, and Chris Middleton was eating wings in the in the post game, hoping that the game wasn't going to have to be restarted. So that was not the kind of uh, eventful first preseason game that maybe we were hoping for. And I, do you think do you think Giannis plays in this game? Um, probably. He generally shows up in the first one, doesn't he? But then again, as we've discussed, mm-hmm. he's obviously probably going to play the Abu Dhabi game. So. Look, uh, I'm I'm gonna say that he doesn't play because it's it's in Memphis, right? So it's not like a home game or anything, right? It's in Memphis. Um, no, it's in Milwaukee. Oh, it's in Milwaukee. Okay, then I'd say probably more likely that he plays. Yeah. 
Either way, my recommendation for those that can afford it is I don't know if I'd be spending four on season. Unless you're a big fan of Jordan Wara. Uh, I'd see Marjon Bochan. That'll be fun, Frank. First appearance with the Bucks. I'm excited for that. Yeah, we didn't. I mean, we talked all podcasts about defense. We didn't talk about him. Again, I think it's hard to put high expectations on a rookie to come in and immediately be an impact defender. Um, as as much as Herb Jones was that guy for the Pelicans last year, I don't I don't think we usually see a Herb Jones type guy come along and, and deliver that sort of immediate defensive impact on the wing. Um, but we'll see. I mean, as we said, I mean, you know, I think the one of the big questions as we talked about for the preseason is Marjan's defense versus Jordan Wara's offense, and can Jordan Wara distinguish himself at all, or or you know show the effort and discipline defensively to impress Bud? Can Marjan make some open threes and maybe show a little bit more versatility offensively than than we saw in Vegas? Which again, I don't know that Bud's going to worry too much if he's hitting open threes and playing solid defense he's gonna probably put himself in a pretty good spot to play until chris middleton and eventually joe ingles come back but um but yeah it's it's just nice to have rookies that that can actually uh you know see regular season playing time and and have something to kind of look forward to so um nba basketball it's been a minute saturday night as i said the box to back and then just to your point frank thursday morning hoops in milwaukee 11 a.m that game will tip off against the Hawks in Abu Dhabi. So take the day off. You get the, uh, yeah, I say it's okay. Uh, don't worry about your boss. You can have the day off Thursday, watch the Bucks and the Hawks in an absolute preseason classic. Uh, all right. Let's be back next week. We'll talk about the game. Maybe we'll talk about Marjan Bochamp's Rookie of the Year hopes. Uh, that would be fun. Speak to you guys after the weekend. <laughs>